Hello, hello, y'all. Hey, it's me, Robin. And before we get into today's episode, I'm here to let you know that the club is open right now for new members. I'm going to take a couple minutes to fill you in on all that the club is offering right now. So if you know for sure you're not interested in joining the club, you're just going to want to hit the forward button a few times until you hear that baffling behavior show jingle. Okay, so the club is a virtual community for families of kids with vulnerable nervous systems and big baffling behaviors. Many families in the club are parenting kids with a history of complex trauma, but definitely not all. Some are parenting kids with vulnerabilities that emerge from their neurotype or their sensory system or their giftedness or their neuroimmune disorder. And of course, some have no idea why their child's nervous system is so vulnerable. The primary purpose of the club and why I've created it the way that I have is connection and co-regulation. Because when I reflect back on my time as a therapist, it wasn't the skills and strategies and tools and techniques I taught parents that mattered the most. What mattered most was how connection and co-regulation strengthened their owl brain so that they could stay more regulated in the face of the chaos in their home. Then they could, number one, actually use the tools, and number two, start to feel a little bit better even before the tools started to work. The club can be accessed online both through your browser on your computer and through an app. And it's open, of course, 24-7. There's a very active forum, a huge video library, and multiple live events every month. Sometimes I teach a masterclass on a specific topic. Sometimes we come together for group coaching or just to ask questions and pick, pick my brain. We have two sessions every month called Connect and Co-Regulates, and those are designed to offer exactly that. There's no teaching, no coaching, just a place for you to be seen and heard by people who get it. Currently, we are also offering once a month bonus sessions for siblings of dysregulated kids. The club is intended to be kind of like a buffet. There is a ton in it, not because you're supposed to do everything in the club. You take what you need when you need it and come back when you're ready for more. If you could use a little extra support, consider joining us. You can read all about all the details over at robingobel.com slash the club. I'll put a link in the show notes And we're open today until the end of the day, Friday, May 3rd. All right, y'all, here's that episode you're waiting for. Hey, y'all, welcome back to the Parenting After Trauma podcast. I'm Robin Goebel, and today I am just delighted to introduce you to my dear colleague and friend, Laura Strom. If you're in the club or in being with, you already know Laura. You know, she's my right hand everything. Laura, you know, sometimes I joke that like for me to do life, I I kind of need a handler. (laughs) And Laura, she does a great job 
my, like basically reading my mind and anticipating my needs and kind of making sure everything doesn't fall apart. I met Laura, I don't even know when, 2015 or 2016, because she was looking for a uh, clinical supervisor for her um, clinical license. And I remember she sent me an email and called me Miss Goble, which is so funny now. Um, and Laura was my really only clinician that I helped get to earn her clinical license. Uh, I kind of feel like Laura was so amazing that she was a great one to start and stop with. And once Laura got her license, then we just got to turn into colleagues. And she initially was helping me do trainings. She would come to my trainings and she'd take care of the people and she'd take care of me. And she really just made sure all my live in-person trainings went off without a hitch. And when I started the club back in January of 2020, it was obvious that I needed Laura to do it with me. And so Laura has been a part of the club since we started. She is so important in the club. And then now in being with, she manages, she's in charge of, she's kind of the lead small group coach. So she helps me kind of pull off being with, and then she also helps to run the team of coaches that, um, are present in being with. So Laura's amazing. She also knows all the things about crafting and chickens and gardening. And her and my husband have become good friends and she's, they're always helping each other with things that I don't know anything about. Like for example, chickens, (laughs) chickens and gardening. And if there ever indeed was some sort of zombie apocalypse, Laura is about the only person in the whole world outside my husband and my kid that I would snag and say, hey, let's let's survive this together. So that's how amazing she is. I'm super excited that you're going to get to get to know her a little bit better. Last month, Laura made a post in the club forum And it was just so profound that I asked if she'd come on the podcast and talk about it. The post was about impossible questions, impossible situations, and impossible decisions. You know, like the kind of decisions and circumstances that all y'all who are parenting kids with histories of trauma, kids with big baffling behaviors, kids with vulnerable nervous systems, The kinds of decisions that y'all are facing constantly in your parenting. And the post just resonated so deeply for me and also for everybody in the club that I really wanted to have the opportunity to share this moment um, with as many humans as possible with everybody listening. So y'all, without any further delay... Here's Laura. Laura, I know when I asked you if you would come on the podcast, (laughs) you probably didn't jump up and scream, yes. 
So I am so grateful that you did say, yeah, I guess (laughs) (laughs) we're willing to be here with me today and record this and really just share something that feels super important um, with as many people as possible. So thanks for um, going to the very edge of your window of tolerance for me and for my my listeners today. Yes. Just for you, Robin. Yeah, there was definitely a grimace, but also a, well, I'm going to say yes, because you know, I do think this is a really important topic. And, um, you know, then kind of thinking about how I'd been wanting to talk about this and make a post in the club, but been sitting on it for a while. And then when I finally did just, you know, the response of how much, you know, people really resonated with it and that it felt like, an important thing that needed to be said that we maybe don't hear said. And so, yeah, it just felt like something important and I could tolerate, (laughs) you know, being recorded for a little bit. And then of course I'm always excited for more opportunities just to share and stretch my own window of tolerance. Stretch your own window of tolerance. We've got some good co-regulation going on here. Lots of felt safety. and Absolutely. And in all seriousness, just very, very grateful. So, so yes, this post that you made in the club and you messaged me and you said, Hey, I've been not kind of needling this around and you asked me to read it. And, um, and then you, you hit post. And just like you said, the response was, and I mean, totally expected, like, of course it landed this way, but it, you know, whenever we, somebody puts something vulnerable into the world, you just, there is this moment of like, what's going to happen next. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, exactly what you said is, is like, well, I, this feels so important. Let's get it even to a, like more people. Mm-hmm. So can we just start with the post? Would you read? The sure. post that you made. Yes. Okay. Oh, and here comes a um my meowy kitty. So <laughs> okay. Let's see. Okay. So sometimes I sit and think about the club and this forum and am overwhelmed simultaneously by gratitude and grief. One of the very special things about the club is that it creates a space for persons to come together who connect over uniquely intense experiences that occur in their everyday lives. One of these experiences is how often everyone here is faced with these utterly impossible questions, situations, and decisions. The ones that feel like no matter what you do or say, it will be full of burden. These are experiences everyone may encounter at some point in their lives. However, here, we are much more likely to encounter them, maybe even on the regular. So an example would be having to put your loved one in a hospital or facility because they were an imminent threat of harm. You know this is what had to be done to keep them safe 
since your job is to keep them safe. Yet they may not see it that way, no matter how much you explain. So you're met with anger and threats of what they will do if you don't take them out, how much they hate you or say you hate them or the pleading, the pleading to please let them go home. The promises of how they have changed. Everything's changed if you would only give them a chance. All aspects of this scenario are heart-wrenching and so incredibly more complex than it seems. And I'm sure I don't have to list all the reasons why out to you. And so many other examples that could go here. Impossible questions, impossible situations, impossible decisions. And you may be alone in facing these impossibilities day to day, but you also aren't. I have no tips, suggestions, or answers for these impossibilities. But what I have come to say with great gratitude and also grief is one of the things that makes the club so special and unique is that you are not alone. None of us can solve your crisis in the moment, but it is without a doubt that we can all share in the understanding of what it feels like to be faced with impossible questions, impossible situations, impossible decisions. Even if we don't have the energy to post about it that day or ever, you can hold the thought and the connection in your mind. A lot like I did while wanting to make this post, but not sure when or if I ever would. In here, we all face the impossibility of each day together. And while maybe worn down and wore out, we survive each day of impossibility together. And each of these days, inches, impossibility, slowly forward towards possibility. It still is not fun. It still hurts. But we make it through what we (laughs) really thought was impossible. This unspoken in the moment connection brought me a bit of solace in an otherwise heart-wrenching experience. During one of these impossible moments, and my hope is it will do that for you too. How was that? What was it like to read that out loud? Yeah. Yeah. My authentic experience in this moment is just like, 
so much gratefulness for you, like as a human, as a person in my life and that we like do this work together, that like, I know you're comfortable with me kind of being the, the, the front person and the person in charge. Very much so. <laughs> and like the club wouldn't be what it is if we weren't doing it together. And so, so grateful for that. And I hope everybody in the club knows that they probably don't because we probably don't say it enough. And, but it's totally true. And just so grateful about, you know, we laugh about this sometimes, like how did me and you pet cross paths? <laughs> right. And then once we did, we just, it just stuck. We just, just kind of like, oh yeah, no, well, it's just this thing. Yeah. And in these ways, it's like, we're so perfect, but I, and I think people who know us both really intimately would say, of course we were perfect. Like Marshall would be like, well, yeah. of course, like Robin yeah. and Laura. But I feel like people who only kind of know us kind of would be mm-hmm. like Robin and Laura. How do those two people go together? Right, right. But, but we do. And that really was just such a like, oh my gosh, like as you're reading this, like how did I get so lucky to have Laura be here? So. Well, and then of course I, you know, think the same about you. And then as we often say, like we are very different, but in the ways that, you know, well, I guess in a kind of some personality and in getting things done, but in ways that really complement each other. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. And then also very same in some ways that are just expressed differently, I think. Right. Express it in the world differently. So Yeah. So it was I would imagine it felt really gutsy, right? In your role in the club as like one of the people who runs the club, mm-hmm. right? Not as necessarily yeah. a member, but aren't we all both the same, right? Like yeah. I get as much out of the club personally, mm-hmm. right, as I do professionally. And so what was that like? What was it like to just be so vulnerable? Yeah, so... I mean, that was definitely an aspect of kind of the hemming and hawing I did around whether to post this. And, you know, some was just waiting till, you know, there was enough regulation and felt safety for me to talk about it. But, um, yeah, it was a bit strange at first of, well, because when we think about these, you know, quote unquote, like leadership type things in most of the world, like, well, no, you, you know, stay this persona and blah, blah, blah. But I think it's important in the club and, you know, with a lot of the people who need the type of work we do or that we work with and everything that they get that we get it because some of these things are things that you can think you understand or you can understand to a certain level, but you don't truly understand the depth until you have felt it. And so I came around to the conclusion that it was important for me to share this for one of, you know, creating a space for our members to be seen in this way and to have a bit of that, oh, okay, so yes, she may do these admin things and 
you know, but they can really connect and resonate. And when they say like, I see you, I feel you, it's not just words. It's authentic. I wanted to pause the episode real quick and read you this testimonial from one club member. This person writes in, the club has been life-changing for me. For me, feeling alone in the stress and the overwhelm of parenting a child with complex trauma has been traumatic. Here in the club, we are finding healing for ourselves by feeling seen and heard and validated, even though we may have come here for our children's healing. Oh, y'all, that is exactly what I'm trying to do in the club, to create a space that's for you that also brings healing to your kids. So the club's open for new members until April 28th. We'd love to have you. RobinGobel.com slash the club. All right, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I'm, yeah, so I've been, you know, with you is, I mean, still so far away. I'm not there with you on a day-to-day basis. I know there's so much that's going on for you that I still don't even know about, but certainly been watching you, you know, figure out your way through this impossible, impossible experience Mm -hmm. that is what led to these words and to this post. And it is pretty remarkable because you aren't parenting a kid with a vulnerable nervous system, but you certainly could have been when, when you wrote that, right? Like how many parents in the club or in our, you know, in, in the work that we do, you know, the Mm -hmm. work that you do as a therapist or the work that I did do as a therapist, or you worked in a inpatient, Mm -hmm. hospital that these huge decisions around safety and where somebody's going to live. Right. And the, what felt like to me, like when I read your post, this like moment of self-attunement, there's, there's Mm -hmm. nothing that I could do for you that would make like a practical thing I could do for you or anybody else that would have made, you know, any of this easier for you. Mm -hmm. But this, this moment of self-attunement, I think Mm -hmm. of, of really being honest in a scary way. I think there's, there's no right answer here. Mm -hmm. All the options are crummy. Yeah. And it was in, you know, these very in the moment kind of experience of knowing that, you know, I mean, like I said, like no matter the choice, it's going to be full of heart wrenching and burden and all these people, you know, are having people that you wish they could help or want to help, but there isn't really anything tangible. And it did truly bring me some comfort to just think about the club and 
all of these, you know, families that we work with and all of these people who understand this experience and, you know, no, we can't really help in the moment, but just to know that, yeah, I wasn't alone. Like others have felt this and can understand because sometimes it's just knowing that someone else gets it and sees the level of, you know, just pain and confusion and grief and all the things that go with it can be so comforting. Well, also that you're not, you're not the one who's like losing your mind. Like, like that too. Yeah. That absolutely. Because it, it really, there'll be like, am I doing that? Well, what is it? What, how do I? And yeah. Yeah. And that's really, you know, I, I do think somewhat in our human nature and then somewhat culturally, we do sort of go through the world thinking in this kind of binary, there's a right choice and a wrong choice, a right thing to do here, a wrong thing to do here. There's an eight, there's two doors and you choose from one or, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, in almost no circumstances is that ever actually <laughs> right actually true but in many circumstances the stakes are a lot lower and so we just don't really spend a lot of time thinking about it i don't think but Mm -hmm. you know when when those of us find ourselves in these circumstances where like these are like life or death literal life or death decisions Mm -hmm. that that we're making that aren't just impacting uh, like they're impacting Mm -hmm. somebody else's life in this tremendous way in this this belief and it must be in our like attempt to try to control things that are uncontrollable, right? Of like, mm-hmm. if I just thought about this long enough, I would right. come up with the right solution. Right. And and you can't. Yeah. <laughs> and you have literally thought about every remote possible scenario into the land of irrationality. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, that part is so important. I think to say too, because mm-hmm. I know uh, everybody's nodding too, and everybody in the club would be like, "Oh yeah, it's like we're just making stuff up too." Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> we have the solutions. That are... <laughs> yeah, but not even an option, right? Like, because mm-hmm. our yeah. we're turning ourselves in knots so badly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I think you had mentioned before of. You know, it, it with that felt a sense of like, well, if I think about it long enough, that it feels like someone's playing a terrible joke. Right. Um, right. I think you said it's like somebody's playing a terrible joke, saying that there's this right thing to do, but there really isn't. It almost, I know when I've been in these situations, this feeling of like, it's being withheld from me. It's right. like the right answer is out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And some very mean person. Yeah, <laughs> knows the answer and isn't telling me and so mm-hmm. i'm lost and all alone and mm-hmm. if somebody would just say like right. like there's this fantasy right answer especially when i think you know those of us and then we have reached out to and talked to and begged and pleaded to so many different people, agencies, doctors, anything for some kind of help and they don't have any or sometimes they just make it worse. Right. Oh, right. I mean, more often than it seems reasonable, do professionals make things worse? Yeah. Yeah. 
And I know this is true in your situation. And I know this is true in the families that we work with that if there was a magical right answer, it doesn't like the things that would make it the magical right answer. They're not things that exist, right? They're not things that our healthcare system would pay for, Mm-mm. But they actually literally don't even exist. And I think about that a lot for like the kids that we work with that are the most vulnerable and the most struggling. Mm-hmm. So like what that child and their family needs, mm-hmm. like those things literally actually don't even exist, let alone they don't. exist in their community and no. exist in a way that could be affordable. Right. No. I mean, just the love. The genuine level of complexity that is the reality of our families and these lives that these bureaucratic systems either aren't to the place of being able to acknowledge and understand and attempt to grasp yet. Um, But yeah. And so, and then all of that too does start to weigh on that. Like, well, am I just crazy? Right. How can all these people I talk to, nobody be able to help? Right. Or they're just be like, I mean, really, this is it? These, these are, these are my options. Right. Right. I had a parent ask me once, she was mad and rightfully mad mm-hmm. about like all of the, f- you could say like failed services that she'd had before mm-hmm. landing in my office. And she's She's like, what do they teach you people? Like, why doesn't anybody know how to help my family? Like, what Mm -hmm. kind of families do you know how to help? Right. I was just like, yeah, that's a very fair question. Mm -hmm. Very much so. Um, Very much so. Um, Yeah. It is. It's just, and for me, you know, you're in this role right now in both places, right? Somebody who's trying to get, you know, your family, the help that you need. And then also trying to get families the help that they need. And I know in my, in, in my work as a professional, but also training professionals and right. The the therapists that are not the therapists, but the professionals that we work with inside being with Mm -hmm. sometimes all of us having to take that breath too and remind ourselves like, Oh no, there's no answer here. Right. I'd love to tell you what to do next. Like, genuinely. No, I really I would. would love to. Yes. I wish I could be out of a job. Yeah. Like that. Just like, here are the answers and it's simple and easy and go do it. And then nobody needs me. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Think of all the other things we could do. Yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah, it's, I mean, in a way it can be, feel a little I don't, easier is not exactly the right word, but just, um, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but to think about these big things, like having to make the decision about, you know, out of home care or a treatment mm-hmm. facility or, you know, these big, huge decisions, but it's like, it's also these little teeny tiny decisions Right. Right. You know, and I think about working with a family who has a teenager who Mm -hmm. just doesn't have like the, 
the co-regulation on board, the developmental mm-hmm. capacity on board to do things that, you know, their same age peers are going. And it can even be kind right. of minor things like, mm-hmm. can I go to the movies with my friends? Yeah. Right. And for a parent to have to be confronted with this, like, like I know that my child doesn't have what they need to have in order to be successful in a setting like that. And so if mm-hmm. I say yes, I'm setting them up for failure. Right. But if I say no, you know, now we've got a potential like major relationship issue, right? Like my mm-hmm. teenager thinks I'm mean or I hate them or I'm doing this on purpose to to punish, you know, like there's yeah. all these things and it's like, no, I'm just trying to help you, but they don't see. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's, it's sure that's small compared to these big, huge, like, mm-hmm. do I put my kid in the hospital decisions, but they're still so painful, right? To be Absolutely. so desperate to make the right decision. And so such desperate emotion on both sides. Yes. Desperate oh. for social connection and desperate yes. for these opportunities. And yet you're desperate to protect them and keep them safe and try to help. Yes. You know, not send them into failure so that it just becomes more of these negative experiences. And what do you do? And the true belief, like I'm thinking about what I know about your situation, you know, like this, this pleading of like, if you just let me, like Mm -hmm. I'll change, I'll do, I'll do better. And how often do we hear that from our kids? And I remember telling you like, oh no, that person means it. Like they really in this moment believe. Right. Just let them, they can do better. Mm -hmm. They're not trying to trick you or be Mm -hmm. manipulative really mean it right and it's like you know you and i can too. yes i can empathize that yes. yes in this moment in this moment you genuinely mean it yeah. and his you know history and these other things have you know shown that but then once it gets down to it or you're not in this moment yeah, it's much easier said than done. And there's very great risks at stake. So you may have heard that the club is open today for just a few days for new members. And I wanted to share with you what this club member said about her time in the club. This member says, I was way more successful handling a stressful situation than I would have been a year ago. And it is truly a result of the material I've learned through Robin and the club. Oh my gosh, y'all. I love, love, love hearing that. There's no way that we can promise that the stress from your kids is going to change because we're just not in control of anybody else but ourselves. But what we can do is work to change how we respond to those stressors. And that's what we do over in the club. We are open for new members from now until the 28th of April, and we would love to have you. And to have to then make that decision yourself and 
and yeah. know that the next step isn't going to be like, oh, you're, you're right. You're totally making the right decision. I'm so grateful for you for keeping me safe. Yes. Right? Like that the, for me in those situations, it's almost like a lack of being seen myself. Like when I mm-hmm. don't get, when I don't get seen for like, you're right, you're making a really hard decision. I can see how it was the best one, even though it was really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, that, that's hard for me to regulate through. Yeah. So to make this really hard decision and know that the other person is never going to see it the way mm-hmm. that you do. And you have to do it anyway. Yeah, I mean, I remember having these moments of, I guess, kind of first, I wanted to say moment, but then I was like, no, there's moments where I had to keep reminding myself that, you know, in some of these things, I have accepted that they may hate me sometimes or think I hate them and all of these things. And yet, you know, I have decided to take that and know that they're taken care of or that things are safer than them maybe thinking they're, you know, happier or more regulated when it's, it would be very, very short lived and then things would kind of downslide. And I guess regulation you have to have on board for that. Like how, you know, I think even in the time period that I've known you over the last many years, like, like to how much you're, you're being asked to be so connected to yourself right now. Yeah. That is so hard. It is really hard. And I think important to also note for everyone listening that yes, even though I'm a therapist and these are all the things that I specialize in, I do not do it quote unquote right every time. I do not always speak with my, you know, regulated voice or owl brain. And, you know, we just come back around to that repair and that I'm human. No kidding. And also, as as you were talking to, I had this huge swell of compassion for you. That's like, you've, you know, you're somebody who's built a, a pretty good community for yourself. Like you have good friends, you have people who love you and care about you. And, mm-hmm. you know, if I really would have, if it hadn't been on the day my book was due, would have <laughs> got on an airplane and driven you home. You know, it's like, I really would do these things for you. And I know you have other people who would do these things for you too. Mm-hmm. And you're still doing this all alone. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's nobody else who's as invested or experiencing the emotions Mm -hmm. the way that you are, who ultimately like the decisions are falling on you and you're making them all alone. Yeah. I mean, and there's, there really isn't anyone else legitimately, um, which I think is something too that, yeah, everyone or many people listening can resonate with that just there isn't anyone else that's able to attempt these things um, and make these decisions for your family over time and you know a series of kind of crises and events that you kind of go this this stuff only happens in like movies and those like dramas you think of like the old lifetime network um i have ended up um being like 
power of attorney and uh, responsible for my grandmother who lives multiple states away. And, you know, there was a long history of intergenerational trauma, which, as we know, just compounds things. And so you're not just dealing with what's in front of you, but generations of things that have happened. Um, And a lot of, you know, unsafe situations, conditions, experiences, and eventually, you know, working through and having to, you know, put her into some kind of 24-hour care um, when, you know, it's a little relevant that she was refusing to leave the home at all to go to doctor's appointments. And so to then have to, you know, make these decisions. And then once she starts to get a little bit better, you know, it is this, well, I'm fine. I've changed. And it's like, well, you know, 80, you know, five years doesn't quite change in a week. But thank you. Um, and it is, has been a bit eye-opening of how much, too, of working with an elderly family member can be a lot like working with a child. And, I mean, developmentally, we do kind of see that you know, we do regress. Right. Um, and so some of the questions and demands and situations and you know, ability to look at and understand the world and function in the world um, does really revert back to and kind of being like a child. But they're, you know, have many years of stubbornness in there and then two are multiple states away. Um, And multiple aspects of vulnerabilities for your your grandma that there's... There's just a lot going on in this mm-hmm. situation. Lots and lots of added complexity is that it's not just about a physical health issue, no. you know, that there's just so many, mm-hmm. so many unique nuances and complexities. And when it comes right down to it, there is no great, there is no good option. It's like, what's, no. what's the best of these crappy ones? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just the, you know, what it is like to suddenly, you know, there's, you know, of course, there's always been things that I've helped manage or offer my co-regulation and other things through the years, but then for things to suddenly decompensate uh, so much, and then you are just really responsible for this other person's life and well-being and having to make these decisions about that, that, you know, all of the parents listening have to do every day. And so suddenly, yes, these decisions that seem little about where they can go or who they can talk to um, become really big things when, you know, there's situations that are unsafe or people who take advantage and take advantage, uh, unhealthy influences, which, yeah, again, all of our parents have to deal with and think about every day, all day. 
the weight of that alone. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how is it, how do I keep this person safe? Whatever safe means physically, emotionally, you know, mental health, but like, again, I think there's this, there's this way that we've convinced ourselves that we have that power. Mm hmm. You know, to even ask the question, how do I keep this person safe is, is you know, implying and, that, oh, I can. And, right. And relatively not miserable. Yes. Because what kind, you know, we have to think about quality of life. Absolutely. Gosh, it's yes. so important that you just said that. Because that matters uh, too. So absolutely. Much. That matters so much. And then that feels for me like we just come right back into that impossible word. Yes. That's like, how do I keep this person safe and not miserable? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yeah, that, that those impossibilities of there aren't many options or, you know, then when you're faced with, um, you know, those, you know, family members where no matter what you suggest, um, they're going to turn it down. Um, so we have a lot of our kiddos like that, that, you know, it has to be their idea or it's just, it's not going to be right no matter what. Never. And so just that impossibility of hopelessness of, and of not being seen of desperately also trying to take all these different factors in and address all of them, but, you know, they're not able to really see and understand and take that in. So in that moment of realization, like there's uh, no matter what I do next, like there is nothing that could be right. Mm -hmm. What, what's helpful about pausing and saying like, you're right. Mm -hmm. Nothing will be right. And we still have to do something next i think for me it helped or helps switch it from being more of this like frantic grief to i guess a bit more regulated grief because definitely i mean the grief is still there the pain is still there but there isn't this tornado inside my head and inside my body um i guess it could be a bit more of you know it's working towards some of that acceptance um it is i was gonna say like doesn't feel as painful Mm -hmm. but i don't think that's necessarily an accurate statement it just feels different yeah i mean i can think of moments in my own life where I've sat, I've really been like, no matter what, and it feels like chaos. And in the mm-hmm. moment, like, it doesn't matter what I do next. Like everything I do next will be wrong. Yeah. And there is, I resonate a lot with what you just said. Like there, it does feel the difference between this, like overwhelming tornado of like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. She just mm-hmm. almost this like, it must be that like the attunement to reality. Right. You're right. Like regardless of what happens next, it will not be. I think it lets you breathe a bit because when there's so much of that chaos and vibration and it 
it's hard to breathe. <laughs> and when we can make that like big sigh and come into a bit more of that acceptance or regulation, then it does maybe also help us to then be able to turn to some of the things that maybe we can do or, you know, maybe even a little self-care or self-compassion in that moment. And, And that did just really kind of click in my head is when there's all of that chaos and the like, well, I just have to figure it out. It's there. Someone's keeping it from me. Yep. I I can't really have that self-compassion for myself. Right. But when it switched to, oh, okay, yeah, this is the reality, then I can think, okay, I'm not just, you know, insane or going insane. This is what the situation is. You know, and just have a bit of, yeah, just that self-compassion and space to be. Yeah. Because I'm like rem- remembering s- situations that are coming to mind for me. The It shifts for me from being so like kind of outward focused and this mm-hmm. like, what do I do? How do I control this? How do I make the right choice? Ah! And mm-hmm. then and shifts a little bit to just more like inward focused of just Mm -hmm. like, okay, like this is reality. It's terrible. Mm -hmm. And it is. Right. And, you know, it's just such a, a strange thing of, you know, I guess, like I mentioned at the beginning of the post of this, Know, overwhelming gratitude and grief. Yep. Because it still just sucks. But it's different. I guess it's more manageable. It's, I don't know. Hey, I'm jumping into the middle of this episode real quick to share with you what this club member has to say about their time in the club. They say, what an incredible community. It was my first Connect and Co-Regulate session just now, and it was so incredible to share stories and experiences. Perhaps it's even more profound being across the world from each other. Oh, I totally agree that the fact that the club has members from all corners of the world really does make the experience more profound. I want the club to give you parenting tools, but more than that, I want the club to undo the sense of aloneness. I want the club to create community and togetherness. And by bringing to people all over the world, we're able to do just that. The club is open from now until Friday, April 28th, and we would love to have you. Yeah, it's funny how the like felt sense of of gratitude doesn't necessarily have this like I'm so grateful feeling. Right. Right? Like the it's hard to even articulate in this moment, but mm-hmm. um, that sense of of gratitude has for me is just kind of like 
like almost this open kind of spaciousness. Mm-hmm. That's it's relief. Yeah. Is a, the word that keeps popping into mind that yeah. of just relief of, yeah, but even if it is like, okay, I'm not the only one. And yeah, it's, I'm not crazy. Yeah. Um, and that there are people who understand because it does become this overwhelming feeling that no one gets it. And so nothing anyone can do or say or be is going to be helpful in comforting me. But when you do feel like there is that connection and being seen, heard, and you know, kind of held. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, this sounds, this could sound so exact, like a huge exaggeration, but it's a moment of like having your existence like confirmed. Yeah. Like I exist. I'm not imagining this. Like I'm here, I'm solid, I exist. And I think, like when I think of these moments when these, yeah, these moments, like what we've been talking about, I can almost start, I can truly start to feel like I'm starting to come undone. Like, right. like the word entropy has always come to mind for me. It's like poof. Yes. And I'm just like disintegrating. And now what becomes so scary is that. Right. As opposed to this thing that we're facing. It still feels like it's the thing that we're facing that's so scary. But really, if we paused, it's like, no, what actually feels so scary, so terrifying is this. And, and again, this is my own personal experience. It's just like. No, I'm, I'm coming undone and at risk of ceasing to exist. Yes. And it can feel so trite to be like, that's just so helpful to be not alone. It's just, it's so much bigger than being not alone. It's like re-anchoring into, I exist. Mm -hmm. And it is certainly easier to tolerate impossible things. (laughs) And it feels like your whole sense of being isn't, you know, erupting into molecular (laughs) chaos. That is so true because (laughs) yeah, whether it's this sense of just like unraveling or I, and I think to me in my head when it's like, I'm just going to break and become insane, but it's this, almost intangible like yeah. I, I don't really know what my brain thinks is going to happen but it is this just intangible just avalanche yeah. of what I think will become that I will just be this avalanche right. and yeah there is this yeah it's like my this aspect of like my existence mm-hmm. will not be there I'm no longer human mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. yes feels good to just even say that out loud because I know for a long time I was like, that's a little, um, it's a little extreme. Yeah. It, it is extreme, but it's also very real. Yeah. 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 And so it is, this is actually a bit of a, another post I may write, but kind of these, uh, you know, so that those strange validations of, people being able to see and be like, yeah, this is so hard. I don't know, you know, kind of how you're doing it and these other things. And it's like, thanks. That feels really validating. And okay, I'm, 
I exist now, but then also just this like, oh yeah, okay, so it's as bad as I think. Cool. <laughs> it's just this very awkward feeling because it feels good. Yeah. But you know, it's not this thing we should quote unquote like feel good about. So it's, it's these very strange validations that the do just validate our existence and our being and allow that connection and understanding. And at, just like when I think I might be hearing you say is like, and goes hand in hand with another moment of grief, because I do think yeah. there is always like the slightest hope <laughs> that like somebody has the solution and they'll give it to me. Yes. And when, and even though it is, you know, and, and the folks in the club are so good at this. And of course me and you are, are good at this kind of what we do for work. And so we're pretty good at communicating like this with each other of just being like, that sucks. This is so hard. I can't, you know, like, and that is, that is wonderful, but there, yes. there is like this new micro moment of like, oh no, really, you're not going to solve my problem. Right. Yeah. And this, I think there can even be a bit sometimes of this slight sense of almost hoping maybe it is just me like, oh, I'm just overreacting Absolutely. a little bit. And Absolutely. so soon as I regulate, uh, it's going to be, oh, oh yeah, well, of course, and everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. So to be, to get the reflection of like, oh no, it really is that bad. Yeah. This is certainly a very, and we're laughing and don't mean to be trite about it, but it is a real double-edged sword of like, oh no, it really is that bad. Yeah. And there's, then again, it's like, now we do this all over again. Like the grief mm -hmm. that comes with that and the, yeah. It does allow for again a bit of that more it's regulated grief of uh, validating the existence, validating our reality. Yeah, regulated grief. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There we go. Oh. <laughs> Across country in unison, exactly. sigh. I know we are quite far from each other. We are. <laughs> well, it doesn't ever really feel that way though. It really doesn't. It's such a testament to what it means to have people who've become like a part of us, right? Yeah. Like to really live inside, you know, our neurobiology. And I moved mm -hmm. from Mexico to Canada. And yeah. <laughs> I, I would say like my people that I was as close to are still my people. Like I'm mm -hmm. as close to, it just doesn't really even yeah. matter. So. Yeah. Well, thanks again for a really, you know, I know stretching your window of tolerance yes. and the saying yes. And also just for everything. Uh, I just told someone the other day, like I, my thing, I, you know, I have very strategically put people in my life who fill very mm -hmm. important roles that keep my life together. <laughs> Yes. And you fulfill an extremely important role of <laughs> keeping my life together and also just being such a good friend. So thank you. And you do the same. And, you know, as always, while I might say yes with a grimace, I'm always genuinely excited and happy to do it because, you know, I do need someone to push me a little bit every now and then. Yes. Mm -hmm. All right, Laura, thank you so much. Thank you. Every day, every day, big decisions and small decisions, impossible decisions.
It's so unbelievably exhausting to be constantly faced with decisions that are not good no matter what you do, no matter what way you look at it. They're they're not good. Thank you for hearing and witnessing Laura's story today. It means so much to me that I can bring y'all together, that I know that it's safe for me to ask Laura to be on the podcast because the people listening are are y'all. And of course, I know it's safe to ask Laura to be on the podcast and introduce her to you because I know Laura so well and I know her, the way that she can speak from the heart. And I know how well she knows you and I know how well she wants to show up in the world and and be somebody who sees you in the same way that I do. And it's just so amazing that I get to have you all in my life, you and my audience, and then people like Laura. So, so thank you. I will look so forward to seeing you back here next week on this Parenting After Trauma podcast. If you thought the episode was helpful, you know somebody who might benefit from it, please share it with them. The more folks we can expose to these concepts and to my guests, the better. It matters and it matters so much. So yeah, please share and I'll see you next week. Are you ending this episode with maybe a big sigh of relief? Like, yes, finally, someone gets me and my kids. But also maybe a sense of like, okay, but now what? All right, y'all, I've got lots of possible now what's. If you want to connect with me directly, like pick my brain, have access to me almost every day, not to mention hundreds of other parents from around the world who totally get what it's like to be you, then you're going to want to join us in the club. We have monthly live events including groups for siblings of dysregulated kids, a huge video library with something like 80 or 90 videos, plus transcripts and certificates of completion. Plus, of course, a very active forum that I'm participating in every single day. We open for new members periodically. So go check robingobel.com slash the club. If we aren't open now, You can put yourself on the waiting list and I'll let you know the moment we open for new members. That's robingobel.com slash the club. Now, if you're a professional and you want to strengthen your capacity to work with the families of kids with big baffling behaviors and vulnerable nervous systems, plus use all of my materials, including a 12-module course that follows raising kids with big baffling behaviors, plus be included in an online searchable directory so families all over the world could find you, then you're looking for Being With, which is my year-long immersive training program that runs January through December. So you'll want to go to robingobel.com slash with, read all about it. And if you're interested, put yourself on that waiting list too. Now, if you just maybe need a little extra connection and co-regulation, but don't feel like you need to join the club, then you can just keep listening to my podcast. Or you could go 
subscribes to my Start Here podcast, and that'll give you 10 episodes in order that will take you through cultivating a great foundation of parenting with regulation, connection, and felt safety. That's at robingobel.com slash start here. You have to go there. You can't just find it in your podcast app. Or you can get yourself a copy of Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors, paper book, audio book, ebook. You can get that anywhere books are sold. Or you can just head to my website, download one of my very many free resources. I keep them all really easy to access at robingobel.com slash free resources. Webinars, masterclasses, ebooks, infographics, all sorts of stuff. Go check it out. See what of those things could be supportive of you or maybe to the other adults in your life who are helping support you and your child. There are just so many ways that you and I could be more connected and you can get the amount of co-regulation and support that you need. If it feels like a lot to remember, all you have to do is go to robingobel.com and take your time clicking around, seeing what I got there. I am so, so glad you and I are connected now. And I can't wait to be with you again soon in our next episode of The Baffling Behavior Show. Bye-bye, y'all.